Hi, everyone. My name is Sebastian Richard of Thriving on Purpose Ministries. Thanks for joining me on this broadcast. If you're listening from YouTube, if you're listening from Facebook, and a big premiere tonight, if you're listening on LinkedIn, welcome to the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. And tonight, we're going to continue our series on the Kingdom of God, this new series on the Kingdom of God, based on my most recent book, Kingdom Fundamentals. And uh, before I begin, I want to announce a big promotion we have going right now for the book. Starting tomorrow, Thursday, July the 15th. Starting July the 15th, all the way to Saturday, July the 17th. The Kindle version of Kingdom, Kingdom Fundamentals will be free for those three days. So July the 15th through the 17th, so that's starting tomorrow, Kingdom Fundamentals in Kindle, in Kindle version will be free. So I highly recommend that you jump on this amazing offer, uh, promotion that we're having for the book launch. And uh, without any further ado, what we're going to talk about tonight is, of course, it's taken again, for, it's a small excerpt from the book that I'm going to expand on a little bit. It's six key attributes of the kingdom of God. And that's from the introduction of the book. And I believe you're, you guys are going to be blessed by this because, as you know, I believe, I strongly believe that uh, what's been missing in our theology, in our understanding of how God's government works on the earth is understanding kingdom theology, understanding how the kingdom of God operates, understanding how we should operate in the kingdom of God. And this has been severely lacking in church history for, for lack of, uh, of teaching it, for lack of understanding it. And it's funny because back in Jesus's day, it was the thing that he was the most adamant about everywhere he went. It was like the kingdom of God is like the kingdom of God is like the kingdom of God is what, what should I compare the kingdom of God to? We would ask sometimes. So all throughout the gospels, we see that it was Jesus's, I guess you could call it his obsession because even after he died and rose again in Acts chapter one, uh, verse three, if I'm not mistaken, it says that he was with them for 40 extra days on the earth, teaching them about the kingdom of God. So even after he died, rose again, before he ascended to heaven, he spent those 40 days on the earth teaching them about the kingdom of God because it was so important that the, the disciples, the apostles especially, understood these concepts and how the kingdom of God operates, how they should operate in the kingdom of God, and to preach the gospel, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. See, we've been taught in, in church uh, most of our lives, many of us, we've been taught the good news of salvation, which is only a part of the whole gospel of the kingdom. See, the salvation is, is basically the way to get in the kingdom. But what do you do once you're inside? That's what's been missing for many, many of us. And I think that the Kingdom Fundamentals, uh, the goal of the book was really to address that problem and make sure that I gave an adequate answer for those who were looking for more, looking to figure out what is this kingdom about? What does it do in my life? What, how is it going to change my life? And once it does, how should I operate in it? What should I do with this message? So six key attributes of the kingdom of God. Number one, and this is 
probably no surprise to most of you, the kingdom of God is within. The kingdom of God is within. Uh, athlete and missionary Eric, and I hope I don't massacre his name. Uh, he, 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 um, Eric Little, L-I-D-D-E-L-L, -L, or Lydell, I'm not too sure. So, that, and that's because I read too much. That, that can be a problem sometimes, because when you read a lot of stuff, you don't hear it. So you don't really know how to pronounce certain things, especially if you're like me, I'm a, uh, a French Canadian. So my main, I guess you could say my main language is French, although um, since youth, I've been watching TV in English and reading English and uh, learning most of the time in English, it's still not my native tongue. So sometimes I encounter certain names or terms or expressions that I don't always pronounce exactly the way they should be. So you'll forgive me for that. I know that. So here's what he said, Eric Lytle or Little. The kingdom is where the king reigns. If he is reigning in my heart, then the kingdom of heaven has come to me. And I love this because the way he says it, it makes it pretty simple. And that's pretty much the way it is. When we're talking about the kingdom within, it's basically a way to, I remember when I was in, in school uh, in, in uh, maybe, I don't know, fourth grade, we had uh, teachings, religious classes, classes on religion. And I remember that this lady was teaching us um, basically the seat of the soul. She, was, she drew a heart and she drew a chair in the middle of the heart, right? And she said, whoever sits on that chair rules your heart. So if it's you sitting on that chair, well, guess what? You're making your own decisions. You're leading your own life. And, you know, the, the, the king has no place in your heart. But if Jesus is sitting on that chair, he's the one who reigns in your heart. And it was very simple, but it was a good way to represent how this uh, kingdom operates within. So in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says something about the kingdom of God that is unique. It's even shocking to the listeners at the time. So in Luke 17, verse 21, he says, now it says, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, see, even the Pharisees knew the kingdom was coming. And they were, as we know from the gospels, they followed him everywhere he went. So they asked him that, if he knew when the kingdom was going to come. He answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For in, indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. And at the time, and even still today, that saying was like, say what? What are you talking about? It's within me? What, this whole time? And of course, we know that Jesus brought the manifestation or the unlocking of the kingdom of God. Okay, that was part of his mission, but um, it was it was kind of something that stumped them at the at the time because they were expecting the kingdom, basically the more like the millennial kingdom, coming with glory and and the kingly manifestation of angelic powers and a reestablishing of how it should have been on earth with uh, Christ reigning. So when he said that to them, they they just it just like flew over their heads. And it still does to some extent, to some degree, fall over the heads of many people. And I'm not going to read everything I wrote here because what I basically did is, since the teaching is based on the book, 
I, I copy pasted some of what I wrote, like, like passages, but it would be too long to go through it and read everything. But I'm going to try to focus on what is important here, what the, the great takeaways we can have from this. So obviously the verse should be taken at face value. The kingdom of God is within you. It has been said by many wise men that if you fail to go within, you will go without. And I, I love that quote. I think it's a very powerful one. And that's in line with the kingdom of God within. First of all, it's true that for the believer, when the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence, uh, the new birth comes and takes residence within you, regenerating you, regenerating your spirit, the kingdom of God has come. It has come and it is within. So that's one, one truth of that uh, passage right there. Uh, furthermore, furthermore, let me check here. So yeah, so if the if the 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 fullness of the kingdom of God is in the presence of God, and when the presence of God comes and inhabits into a human being, the kingdom of God is definitely within. That is a big truth right there. Uh, but Jesus also told us that he came to accomplish the law and the prophets. He said that in Matthew. Matthew uh, chapter 5, verses uh, 17 through 18, I think. So that being the case, it was prophesied by the prophet Jeremiah what the kingdom of God would be like in the new covenant. And I love this passage. It's from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. And I'm going to read it for you because it's powerful stuff from the prophet Jeremiah. He wrote, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. So that's from Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. So with the new covenant, God wanted to bring his kingdom. And in the book, I make a clear case that the kingdom of God is the equivalent, uh, to understand the word kingdom, government of God, the government of God, the governing authority of God. So that's the kingdom of God in a nutshell, very, very small nutshell. So... God wanted to bring his kingdom and government into the hearts of men. So this is, this is what's so amazing about the kingdom of God. It emanates from God. It's his government. It's his rulership. It's his authority. It flows into his children. It flows into our hearts, into us, through the presence of the Holy Ghost. And then back out into the earth realm through the influence of, of the children of God, once they're born again, through their God-given authority. That's the beauty of the kingdom. So wherever God is honored as king, 
there is the kingdom of God made manifest. The famous uh, missionary doctor, Albert Schweitzer, he said, there can be no kingdom of God in the world without the kingdom of God in our hearts. Hence, yes, the kingdom of God is indeed within. So that's point number one. Number two, the kingdom of God is hidden. It is hidden. It is not visible. It's hidden. Okay. So uh, back when I completed my training, my coach training with the John Maxwell team, back then the, the president of the John Maxwell team, he was giving a, a conference, a speech from the platform telling us how to use what we were given, uh, the teachings we were given, the access to all the programs that we could use and all that. And here's what he said. I think it was very good. He said, and that's just the John Maxwell team content, by the way. That's not the scriptures. It's not the authority of the word of God. So keep that in mind as I read. He said, understand that the content and teachings you are given access to here are gold. So he's telling this to all the coaches who were getting certified. We were 3,000 coaches and leadership trainers at the time in that, in that big hotel. And he said that. He says, understand that this, what we're giving you today, it's gold. He says they are low, they are so life-changing that many of you will want everybody to get these teachings. And since everybody needs personal growth and leadership, your enthusiasm will make you want to go out and give this to everybody, sometimes even for free. But here's my advice to you in order to avoid disappointment. Now, that was very, very interesting when he said that. He said, don't give it to the people who need it, because he said everybody needs it. Rather, he said, give it to the people who want it, like really want it. And so it's nothing new. I mean, I at the time, I was, I was learning new content, and it was life-changing. I mean, leadership, personal growth, these things added so much to my life. I mean, after my, 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 what I learned from the scriptures and my walk with God and my spiritual growth, it came in second. That's how transformative these things were. So leadership and personal growth to me were, were a huge blessing from God. So when he said that, I was like, wow, okay. So he basically reiterated what Jesus said, you know, don't give your pearls to swine. And the principles of the kingdom of God... It's kind of strange when you think about it because the kingdom of God, like I said, point number two, it's hidden. God hid it. So the dichotomy of the kingdom is that while God wants everybody, he wants everyone into to get into the kingdom, he nevertheless made the kingdom hard to find. So he hid it only for those who really want it, because you have to seek it to find it. You have to really want it. So it's like the, when Jesus says it's the narrow way, right? The wide way, every, like everybody finds the wide way because everybody's going there and like it, it makes a huge commotion. But the narrow way is hard to find and few people find it, Jesus said, right? So here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13 about this hidden kingdom. 
The kingdom of God is hidden. So in verse 33, he said, the kingdom of God is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. So that's in verse uh, Matthew 13, verse 33. In verse 44, Jesus said again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found, and what did he do? Hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. But it was the treasure was hidden in that field initially. Again, in, in verse 45 and 46 of Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, so if he found it, obviously he was seeking it, he was looking for it. It, was, it wasn't uh, just there for the taking, it was hidden. He went and sold all that he had and he bought it. So the leaven is hidden in the dough. The treasure was hidden in the field and the pearl of great price was sought, sought out and it was hard to find. And also in Matthew 13, verses 11 through 13 in the New Living Translation, Jesus told his disciples the following after they asked Jesus, they asked him, Lord, why do you speak in parables all the time? And Jesus said this to his apostles, to his disciples. He said, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That, that is why I use these parables. Basically, he was telling to them, I'm hiding it so that it becomes more valuable and only those who seek it will find it. Basically, that's what it is. So when we're looking for the kingdom of God, we got to get our hands dirty. I don't know if you, you know where I'm going with this. Uh, you you got to be willing to dig in. You have to be willing to do some research. You have to be willing to pray and ask the Lord about it a lot. Uh, I'm going to give you a comparison with the Indiana Jones movies. Every, a lot of people know Indiana Jones. I was going to say everybody, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people know the Indiana, Indiana Jones movie. So how would Indiana Jones seek the kingdom of God? Let's pretend that, uh, for example, let's say there's a new movie, Indiana Jones and the Hidden Kingdom. That would be a good movie, actually. So let's say you're playing the main part of Indiana Jones. If you were Indiana Jones in the movie titled Indiana Jones and the Hidden Kingdom, what would you be doing? Well, Indiana Jones, we know from the movies, he was reading... He was planning, he was researching, he was asking questions to the right people to find what he was looking for in all, in all the movies, right? So basically he was doing what Jesus told us to do. Keep on asking, seeking, and knocking, right? So that's how intentional you have to become when you're seeking the kingdom of God. And this is very important here, and this was a, a quote that I highlighted in the book. When Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom, it was an invitation into obsession. When Jesus told us 
seek first the kingdom of God. It's an invitation for you and I to become obsessed with it. And there is no better obsession, I assure you. Do you remember the uh, the scene? And let's talk about Indiana Jones again. Uh, in the Indiana, sorry about that. In at the end of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, remember they're in that temple. Indy has the little diary from his father, in which there's the clues that he needs to pass to get to the Holy Grail. And in the movie, there's like three the, those three final riddles that need to be overcome by any who seek the grail. So we remember the bad guys, they send out man after man and they all get their heads chopped off one after the other. Boom, boom, you see the heads roll. And so then they take Indiana Jones and say, now you're going to go. And all Indiana Jones has is his father's diary. And there's one clue in there. It says only, it says the breath of God. So that's the first thing. Okay, the breath of God. Only the penitent man shall pass. Only the penitent man shall pass. And remember at the very last minute, as Indy is like mulling over this saying, the penitent man, penitent man, at the very last second, he ducks, falls on his knees. The penitent man is praying. So he remembers that he needs to be on his knees. And then there's this huge uh, blade that goes right over his head and he gets through the first clue. Okay. So as he was advancing, he remembered to be penitent and he passed. Well, it's funny because in the kingdom of God, it's a lot like that. We have, we have, we also have our clue to find the kingdom of God. We have many clues. Jesus gave us many clues. But the, one of the clues is only the diligent and humble will find it. To be diligent is to seek, is to work at something methodically, uh, hard, uh, consistently. That's diligence. It's, it's, to, it's hard work, basically. And you have to be humble as well. So that's how you find the kingdom of, of God. So that's our first clue to, 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 uh, for kingdom discovery, to discover the kingdom in our lives. There's a Canadian social worker. Her name is Catherine Daugherty. She said, to pass through the door that leads to God's kingdom, we must go down on our knees. I think that was a good clue as well right there. And Jonathan Edwards, famous revivalist from the 1700s, he said, the seeking of the kingdom of God is the chief business of the Christian life. I love that quote. I love that quote. It's the chief business of the Christian life. And that's something that is not often taught, again, in our churches. We're taught about all kinds of stuff. But the seeking of the kingdom of God is something that needs to be consistently at the forefront of your walk of faith. Number three. Number three, about six, uh, again, six key attributes of the kingdom of God. We're at number three. The kingdom of God is not of this world. The kingdom of God is not of this world. Well, you kind of know this. I know this. I mean, we all know this. In fact, we know it so much. It's something that we kind of, it's a misconception. Uh, if you if you want to listen to a good broadcast, go back to last week's broadcast where I talk about four misconceptions about the kingdom of God. One of those misconceptions is to think that the kingdom of God is only in heaven when I die. So, 
it's going to happen someday when I leave this earth, I'm going to enter the kingdom of God when I go to, to heaven. So that's a misconception. Nevertheless, the kingdom of God is not of this world in the sense that it emanates from God the Father. It's the government of God. It emanates from him, from heaven, and it is meant to come into the earth realm and influence people, families, cultures, churches, communities, cities, countries. I mean, the kingdom of God is meant to influence, and we're going to talk a little bit about that later. But So it's not of this world. And when Jesus was being questioned by Pontius Pilate, uh, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. That's from John 18, verse 36. In Philippians 3.20, we're told our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So citizenship, government, that, that's all uh, related. And Jesus also said uh, in John 17, verses 16 and 17, they are not, he was praying. Remember at the Last Supper, he was praying for his, his apostles and the disciples. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So the kingdom, its influence, its king, and its power and the king, the, the 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 realm from where from whence it comes, is not from here. It's not of this world. I'll give you an example. I live in Canada. Uh, we are part of the British Commonwealth of Nations. Okay, so basically, Great Britain, when they decided to colonize other areas in the world, they sent colonies and they built new new countries: Australia, Canada. Uh, the Bahamas and other places, uh, South Africa. So they went out and they, they 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 went and colonized other regions. The kingdom itself, right? Canada is not Great Britain. However, it was for many, many years, it was ruled by Great Britain. It became an independent nation later on, but we're still kind of part of that British Commonwealth. So the influence came from Great Britain. Okay, so that was the ruling uh, influence or governing uh, authority, I guess you could say, that was leaked down to those other nations. Well, it's the same thing with the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. It is from that place in heaven and the Father in heaven. But we are, we, when, the, when he created the earth and sent people on the earth, we became a colony of the kingdom of God. And the rulership and influence of that kingdom was meant to be uh, done through us in this realm, as ambassadors would do. So it's not of this world. Number four, it is invisible. I touched a little bit on that when I uh, spoke about how it is hidden. So hidden, invisible, these are a little bit similar. But the kingdom is invisible. So when he was asked by the Pharisees, uh, again, let's go back to Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. We spoke of that earlier. When he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them. He says, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, the eyes, nor will they say, see here or see there, visual. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. So at first it begins, it, it begins as a seed inside of you. 
And remember when you spoke with Nicodemus, when Nicodemus came and had his nightly chat with Jesus, his, his transformative nightly chat, and not only did it transform most probably Nicodemus himself, but it became, uh, John chapter three became an anchor point in Christian faith, and especially John three sixteen, right? But this whole conversation with Nicodemus was so incredible, incredibly deep. But I'm just going to quote to you what Jesus told, part of what he told Nicodemus. He said, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. But you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And we know that once you're born of the Spirit, this, the kingdom of God has come within you in full manifestation. So in other words, people become citizens of the kingdom invisibly. Kingdom citizenship is acquired from above, absolutely. But it also happens within, invisibly, spiritually. It's not something that people can see with their eyes. That's why it's, uh, you know, if like, for example, remember Moses when he came down from the mountain and he had had a, this God encounter and, and, and he came with the tablets and, and the people, he had this face, his face was shining. He had the Shekinah glory. His face shone. People couldn't even look straight at him because he had seen the glory of the Lord. Now, if everybody who became born again looked like this, the kingdom would be really visible. Like people would really be like, whoa, dude, what's happened to you? <laughs> what, what's the Kool-Aid you've been drinking? Or what have you, like, how can I get some of that, right? So when you tell someone I've been born again or I had an experience with God, physically, 99.9% .9 of the time, you still look pretty much the same, same old guy. So that's why it's, it's hard for people to find that kingdom because they have to seek it for themselves. There is no outward visible sign that there's the kingdom, right? And that's the way God chose to operate with it. Number five, the kingdom of God is expansive, not expensive, not expensive. We can all, we can all enter for free, although it costs God everything. It costs God everything to bring it back but we can all enter for free, glory to God. But it is expansive in the sense that it, it expands. It always expands. It always advances. It never regresses. The kingdom of God never regresses, never. It is always on the move forward, always forward. So in expansiveness in the dictionary, is, is, is said to be the tendency to expand. So it's an innate property of the kingdom. So the kingdom of God is always growth-oriented. It, it, like I said, it never regresses. It follows the simple law of God, a, a, a law which is basically the law of the living, which John Henry Newman summed up when he said, growth is the only evidence of life. In Matthew chapter 13, again, and if you want to read a lot about the kingdom of God, go check out Matthew 13, where it's all about like kingdom of God is like kingdom of God is like kingdom of God. It's an amazing chapter. Really, really good. All the parables about the kingdom. Not all, but many of them. So in Matthew 13, 31 to 33, Jesus compared the kingdom to a mustard seed. 
and he also compared it to leaven to explain how the kingdom grows and expands from within a man to many outward manifestations and fruit. So it begins inside, expands through the faith that is developed in the heart of man. And when that expansion, when that expansion happens, that faith is made manifest by outward manifestations, miracles, healings, conversions, other people coming into the kingdom, the message of the gospel of the kingdom going outward of that man. So it expands outside, just like leaven makes the whole dough rise, just like a tiny mustard seed when planted in the earth grows and becomes a big, a huge shrub, almost the size of a small tree, where the birds can come in and, and perch themselves. Complete expansion there. Complete expansion. Number six, the kingdom of God is far-reaching. Far, it reaches very, very far, especially in this day and age. This which is so exciting with um, social media, with technology. I mean, I've had the opportunity from Canada to speak to people in India, to speak to people in the United States, in Pakistan, just because of technology. I was able to reach far with the message of the kingdom, but the message of the kingdom itself, through expansion, is meant to reach the farthest corners of the earth. The kingdom of, uh, of God has an extended reach. Like any great kingdom, it is meant to keep advancing and conquering, advancing and conquering. I gave you the example of uh, the kingdom of Great Britain, but if you look at all the great empires or kingdoms of the past, the Roman Empire or the Grecian Empire, they conquered territory after territory with their influence. They brought their influence everywhere they went. They kept, uh, they, they, they had, a, they, they were far reaching. They expanded and they, they reached far. So in Matthew 13, again, that chapter, verses 47 to 50, Jesus spoke of the kingdom, kingdom this way. He said, once again, the kingdom of, of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets. The, they threw out the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So imagine a net. When a net is thrown, the net expands and reaches what? As far as it possibly can when it's well thrown, right? And then it goes and grabs everything that it can contain as much as possible. And the fishermen grab it and they, 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 it was far reaching. So when, when uh, Jesus called Simon Peter and Andrew, Jesus implied this com the same comparison when he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's in Matthew 4.19. And even later, much later, when he issued this great commission, he said, go into what? 
all the world, all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. That's in Mark 16, by the way. That's the Great Commission from Mark 16 to every creature. Maybe that's why um, I think it was Francis of Assisi who uh, he, he would preach to the birds. <laughs> they said he, he preached to animals. And also in the same Great Commission, but a different gospel, this time the Gospel of Matthew 28, 19, make disciples, disciples of all nations. And in the book I make... Uh, I take the time to elucidate the difference between a disciple and a convert. And the, the difference is, is fairly huge. A disciple is really someone with the, 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 the understanding and the mandate to spread the good news of the kingdom of God. Whereas a convert, sometimes, and there's many converts in our churches today, they get converted. They haven't experienced yet. They get converted. But then they think that it's all about going to church Maybe sometimes at work, if you're not too shy, maybe mention Jesus here and there. And that's about it for their Christian uh, expression or their uh, their walk in the kingdom of God. That's about what it limits it. So that's a convert. But a disciple is quite the, very uh, different. A disciple is like his master. A disciple um, will espouse so much more from his master and try to learn as much as he possibly can through great discipline what the master uh, taught. So seeing the word disciple is, is the same root word as the word discipline. You cannot be a disciple unless you are disciplined. And you cannot be uh, someone who spreads the gospel of the kingdom of God unless you're a disciple. Only disciples do that. <clears throat> So these are the six uh, the six characteristics, or what did I call it again? See, I'm, I'm lost. I got like 13 pages of notes, and I, of course, I didn't go through all of it tonight. The six key attributes of the kingdom of God. These were the six key attributes of the kingdom of God. And so the kingdom makes itself very desirable. But it's funny because while it's making itself very desirable, it's proving very elusive all throughout history. Very elusive. Only the diligent and humble will find it. So the kingdom of God, here's what I wrote. That's a quote I wrote in the book. The kingdom of God is vast as an ocean and tiny as a droplet. It is both universal and exclusive at the same time. It's a very special thing. And that's the way the kingdom weeds out the lukewarm and unintentional because it makes itself hard to find, because the you need to be diligent to find it. By its very nature, the kingdom weeds out those who are not intentional, those who are kind of lukewarm. It doesn't mean that you can't become lukewarm once you're saved. That's not what I'm saying. But it, it weeds, you, you kind of have to go... You have to go through a process, pressing in, like they say, curiosity, asking questions. Every time I've had people uh, who came to a, a conversation with me and ended up being ready for, for a conversion or to pray to receive salvation, there was curiosity involved. Those who aren't curious, they, they, they don't want to talk about that. They're going to sh shut you up or shun you or stay the heck away from these types of conversations. And it's, it's funny because 
these characteristics of the kingdom, like I said, it is universal and yet exclusive at the same time. It keeps in line with what we're taught about the kingdom at the same time. Because the ways of the kingdom, if you, if you learn the ways of the kingdom, there's paradoxes there all the time. For example, and I'm just going to name a few. You guys are going to say, oh, yeah. The last shall be first. The servant shall lead. The humble shall be elevated. The poor shall be rich, etc., etc. There's plenty of these concepts, these seemingly seeming contradictions. That's how the king see the kingdom in many, many ways operates contrary to what we've learned here in the in the natural, in the earthly realm. <coughs> Forgive me. But from our own experiences. It doesn't, it, it, it operates contrary to our own senses. So that's that makes it very elusive to many, many people. That's why Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to perdition and narrow is the way that leads to life and to life in the kingdom. So I'm done with this teaching. I hope it blessed you. Uh, and don't forget, again, big reminder, very important. This book. You can get the Kindle version of Kingdom Fundamentals for free starting July, Thursday, July the 15th, all the way through Saturday, July the 17th. So don't miss this opportunity to get your hands on the Kindle version of Kingdom Fundamentals. And the reason I'm doing this is because the message in this book, when you read it, you will know. It needs to be shared. It needs to be spread. This book is life-changing. Absolutely. And how can I put this? The message needs to get out because it's a book that's going to wage war against religious bondage. There you go. So the book is going is way it's it's tailor-made to wage an uh, <laughs> A war without mercy with religious bondage, and which is a very good thing. We need this. We need this. We need to, to uh, stand up to religious bondage because Jesus came to set the captives free. And only the gospel, the full gospel of the kingdom of God can do this. See, the gospel of salvation will get you into the kingdom, but only the full gospel of the kingdom of God can set you free. That's the gospel. That's the good news. So it's more than just getting into heaven someday. It's getting into a heavenly relationship with the king of kings here on the earth, being influenced through this king and his kingdom, through the life-transforming message of it, and then becoming an influence for that kingdom right here, right now, in this realm today. And Jesus also said, I think it's in Matthew 24, 14, that the end will not come until this message this of the gospel of the kingdom has gone all over the world. And I'm sorry to say, although the gospel of salvation has pretty much gone all throughout the world, the gospel of the kingdom, which is even wider, 
has not. And that is why the end has not yet come. We haven't seen the gospel, the full gospel of the kingdom of God spread throughout the earth yet. We've seen the message uh, of the gospel of salvation. So the, I guess we could call it the message of salvation, the good news of salvation. That's been spread a lot. That's been pretty much all over the world. And there's some exceptions here and there, but it's pretty vast. But the gospel of the kingdom, it still needs to get out desperately. And God wants to use me. He wants to use you to get that message out. And when, when you read that, when you get your free copy, because like, come on, it's free. There's no point in dilly-dallying. Just go on Amazon.com, get that, that free version of the book in Kindle version and read it for yourself. And when, once, you, uh, once you get that transformative message, you, you'll want to carry it everywhere you go. You will want to do that because it's so crucial. So I, uh, by the way, uh, again, I want to say uh, greetings to my fellow, um, my fellow entrepreneurs and, and friends on LinkedIn and connections on LinkedIn, which is a big premiere tonight. I'm very happy to be on this platform and also on YouTube and Facebook if you want to follow me there. So I hope this has blessed you. If it has, make sure you share it. And uh, I pray that God gives you a wonderful week. Uh, and uh, I hope you're having a great summer so far. And uh, get that free book. Do yourself that favor. You won't regret it. Have a good week in Jesus' name.